Hey, it's About Town Devin, Bill Brown. I'm so excited. We're going to be talking about all your amazing oh, books. Yeah, huh? And what is your, he won't tell me his favorite one. What is your first book and your last book? Not well, that, last, that's last. a very good question. Okay, so just the first one names. is Blood Mountain. Okay, and then your current one? Is Death Well. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. The silver mines There's a kind-hearted woman She's looking so fine Always taking care of her community Bringing folks together Is her cup of tea She's out on the road And all over the web With a big smiling heart It's about town, Deb And welcome to City Talk I am about town, Deb W. McCarthy, your host And today I have a very special guest Aww. Bill Brown, he is the most incredible, award-winning, retired anchorman. But, and he, you know, is currently in Reno, Nevada. Mm -hmm. But the best part is that he is an amazing husband, amazing dad, community member, and now he's a famous author. And all of his books, there's there's a whole bunch here. And we're going to be hearing about him, and we're going to be hearing about the the, how he comes up with his ideas and mm. what is it like to go from an anchorman to a author? Like, and you just did it. Boom. And these books, he's like writing them like day after day, like every, I don't know, it's about a week, two weeks, a book is done. <laughs> I don't know, maybe a month, I don't know. but, but Bill, seriously, yeah. I mean, come on, this is how, how many years has this been from this many uh, just about three. Okay, see, I'm pretty close then. How many books? <laughs> so you divide that up. But well, first, they're not all here, actually. I know. So there's more. Yeah. So um, don't know how you do it. There are twelve, and I'm in the middle of the thirteenth. Um, and it was um, the interesting story behind it was is it began with a book called Blood Mountain, which is in this stack someplace, and we'll talk about that. But uh, I wrote this. I wrote the manuscript forty years ago, and I put it away. Oh, okay. Don't go. I have a quote that goes with that. Mm. Okay, I'm going to find it. It's re- no. I ha- I have to, guys. It, we always keep everything like you know, kind of real here because, um, okay. If a nation loses its storytellers, it loses its childhood. Ah, uh, yeah. And you are a storyteller, but that really wasn't the one I wanted, but I will find the one because it's exactly about that. But before we get too deep into these amazing books and this amazing author and my Mm -hmm. friend, we want to thank Kim Surratt, Law Practice. I'm sure you met Kim. Family Matters, Family Law, and she really is so good about bringing, creating families because not everybody Mm -hmm. can have a family the normal way. Right. Sometimes you need adoptions, you need surrogacy. She is that attorney and she loves her job and her staff does more than just um, they do divorces and they do trusts and all that but Kim's specialty is creating families so I really want to thank her for and that. You know you don't often find that people are always down on attorneys but are, occasionally you're never happy with them until you need them and then you but, need them yeah but it's always nice to see an attorney that says I'm going to make changes in people's lives. And she also does a lot of lobbying for the good for adoption rights. All right. There so, we go. So there, she's, she is not the typical. No, there's lots of amazing attorneys. 
But Kim is a part of our community and she's been a part of my journey since day one. Mm. And of course, Crystal Basin Cellars, we always want to thank them because mm-hmm. who doesn't love a good glass of wine and we love the El Dorado wine region. And of course, we want to thank um, Musicians Rehearsal Center, Christian, because we are right here in Sparks, not clo- not very far from Reno. Is it mm. like a spark away? How do they say it? Is there like <laughs> we're a spark away from Reno? Actually, that, uh, what's the saying? What we used to say yeah, was uh, Reno's so close to hell you can see sparks. But I was close. No, that, no, I, I wanted. I could remember. I always get things wrong. So anyway, now that we've done mm. our thank yous, now mm-hmm. we we can dig a little bit deeper. But before we dig deeper, I want. I just want you to tell me. Tell us a little bit more about your journey. We have about three minutes. So how you started as a news anchor first. Well, that was interesting. Uh, it was actually the path of least resistance at the Ooh. university. Um, I was going into theater and then um, didn't like what I was seeing. And so I fished around for a number of degrees and there was journalism. And I'd always been with the high school newspaper, the yearbook, and I thought, well, why not? And uh, I never even though my early stories were published in print and local paper, I decided to look for broadcast. But first I had to take a break from all of that and go to work on Capitol Hill. Ooh, that's for, so exciting. Yeah, for Congressman Jim Santini. And I um, spent a lot of time in the White House um, and working for the congressman and headed up uh, his Commerce Committee affairs and also some of his PR and came so home. is there like a, a little story, <clears throat> like a favorite story you've had up on the Hill? Oh, which one? I mean, <laughs> well, I mean we're talking about the Hill, <clears throat> the White House. I mean, is there one that you're allowed <clears throat> to tell that isn't too crazy? <laughs> yeah, there actually is. Okay. Um, congressman Santini would have what he called a game feed as a fundraiser. What's a game feed? A game feed. We're getting to that. Okay. So anyway, (laughs) um, he would have a frozen game that was delivered. uh, Oh, game. Game. I thought you said game, (laughs) (laughs) G-A. Okay, go ahead. So um, one time they delivered a frozen hindquarter of buffalo to the wrong address. It went into the basement of the White House. And it was wrapped in a burlap bag. Now, I don't know. It's a little strange. Well, yeah. Whoever signed for that. Yeah. But anyway, if you've seen it, it's got a a little (laughs) knob on top and then it broadens out Uh to what look like shoulders and then it (gasps) narrows down. And it's all in burlap, like you've got a frozen body. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we were sent over to pick it up and we were driving this old broken down (laughs) VW station wagon and... You know, we weren't exactly looking our best. And we're in the basement of the White House where we knew the guys. Okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna cut off right there. All right. Because I want you to guys to stay tuned because we're gonna find out what like it wasn't a body apparently, but I wanna know about this frozen game. Yeah, thing. Well we'll find out. So we're gonna find out. So stay tuned. <laughs> it's about Tom Deb and Bill Brown will be right back. Now more than ever, family matters, and Surratt Law Practice has your family in mind. 
Kimberly Surratt and her team have been helping maintain healthy families through their holistic approach to adoption and surrogacy, child custody, estate planning, and more for over 13 years. Your family law concerns are in caring hands with Surratt Law. Schedule your private consultation with a compassionate Surratt Law practice team member today by calling 775-636-8200 or visiting lawyersforfamilies.com. Surratt Law, where family matters. You're enjoying this episode on Angel Phoenix Productions Podcast Network. To explore our complete lineup of quality programs and media production services, head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Angel Phoenix Productions. She's out on the road and all over the web with a big smiling heart. It's about town, Deb. My town, your town, or any town, this is About Town Deb presents City Talk. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to City Talk. I'm About Town Deb, Debbie McCarthy, your host, and I have Bill Brown next to me. You know what's really cool? What? Before we go back to that scary story, is that I feel so comfortable. Like, I'm on the set, and I'm just, like, hanging out. Like, I feel like I just want you to keep sharing these stories we're going to hear. And I, I feel like I'm at, like, my coffee table. So well, thank you. But I mean, it's pretty cool that you have a guest. You feel like you just, you just can't wait you. to hear more. That's very kind of you. Yes, but I how just, long have we known each other? A long time. Many, But that many helps. Years. That helps. Yeah. But you're all like a mentor because I've watched him forever yeah. and, and he's been a good support. He's been a great supporter. But I want to go back to this story at the White House. <clears throat> so we're in the basement of the White House. Yes. And uh, we're not looking scrubby, but we don't look like congressional aides. And we have the broken down appearing VW, <laughs> and uh, or the VW, and then they bring this thing out and they carry it, and it's heavy. It's a hundred something pounds. Oh, yeah. And so the members of the press are crowding around the upper <gasps> side where the car pulled in. Oh, and they're wondering who yeah. you are. So, uh, <laughs> so we can't fit it into. <gasps> Um, the VW. So, so they set up two oh buckets. No. Oh, no. And they put it on that. Did it look like a person sitting on a bucket? Well, hanging between <laughs> the two. And um, my partner, who also did PR for the congressman, gets up and jumps on the top of it and breaks it in half. There's a loud crack. And so... Why did uh, they... She, oh, to fold it? To fold it, to get it into the vehicle. <laughs> so then we're about ready to load it, and the press is going nuts. Like, what are there. they doing? Yeah, exactly. And a big um, uh, uh, White House police officer comes up and says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you like Sam Donaldson? What? And I said, no, what? I don't. I what? think he's too pushy. I think he's this. I think he's that. And he goes... <laughs> he said, just hold on a little bit. And he turns around and he yells up to the reporters, hey, Sam, what do we got here? A body or something else? And we throw it into the VW, go out the other side, and we're away. And we found out later that the news services were trying to find out about a frozen body in the White House, and it turned out to be a frozen hindquarter of buffalo. Never aired. Oh, we my drove gosh. Crazy. I love it. Yeah, That's I, a cool story. I, I used to ride in the elevator with uh, Tip O'Neill and Barbara Jordan every day. What I mean, at, so how old were you at that time? Oh, I you was were, uh, early 20s. So yeah. what was it like? Like, hmm. were you feeling like, like just so excited? I was in awe. in awe. In awe. Absolute awe. And I'd ride with uh, the speaker every day. And I'd say, well, Mr. Speaker, 
how'd it go today? And he would say, well, Bill, uh," (laughs) and he had that big bulbous drinker's nose, you know, (laughs) and he'd say, well, we won some and we lost some, but we'll be back tomorrow. That stuck with me forever because that is the science and the art of politics. You're not always going to win. You're going to win some. I'm going to win some. The country's going to be better for it. And that's what, and Barbara Jordan said the same thing. She was, do you remember her? Um, She was the first black congresswoman from Texas. And she had a great accent. It was like, wow, Bill, how are you today? How'd you do up there? We did pretty good, but we'll be back. So they all felt that way. Every day is a new day. You keep coming back to make a difference. And they actually did do give and take as opposed to now. So awesome. those are your stories. I like that. I, that's good. We'll come up, We'll have time for another story or two. Which book <clears throat> do we want to start with? Why don't we start with this one? Yes. This is called Blood Mountain, and I hope you can see that. Yeah, you can. You okay. can. Um, this was the one I wrote 40 years ago, Put Away. Put Away. All right. When I retired... Uh, my wife, Teresa, uh, looked at me and said, well, you're kind of bored. <laughs> and I said, yeah, she's a nurse. So I she's know. working constantly. And she found my old manuscript and she took it out and she went, rewrite it. Just like that. Kind of bossy. Well, and but hap- you needed that. happy wife, yes. happy life. Yes. <laughs> and I got started and um, the characters changed. The plot basically never did. But it begins, a lot of my stories begin in Nevada, and it begins at the Lovelock Cave. Are you familiar with that? I know where Lovelock is, but Mm. I don't know about the cave. All right, there's a cave outside of Lovelock where it used to be mined for bat guano uh, back around the uh, early 1900s. For who? Uh, For bat? Bat guano. What's bat guano? Bat poop. Oh, so that was used in fertilizer. And I like did that. not know that. But long before then, a thousand years ago, uh, the cave, uh, and this part is true, was home to a race of uh, giants. They were all averaging over eight feet, which a thousand years ago was extraordinary because the average height was about five feet or less. So uh, now Indian mythology takes over here. And... The giants were red-haired, and they actually have this is the hair. Th- th- this is real. You're not trying to pull a they wool over. They have the large back. bones. They have the red hair. According to uh, mythology, these giants were cannibals, and they would prey on the Indians. So one day the Indians had enough, and they united all the tribes in the region, and they trapped them in that cave, set a fire to asphyxiate them. Oh. What if they didn't get them all? Okay. What if one or two got away? So that's a thousand years ago. And Blood Mountain begins at a fictional town in South Lake Tahoe region. And one of them's back. And he's hungry. Uh-oh. <laughs> so it, it takes off and yeah. it goes from there. And it's a lot of fun. Um, I had a reader the other day who, who went through it for the first time. And she wrote back and said, uh, uh, and I'll do, I'll do one of these, okay? Uh, 
She wrote back and said, you're a wonderful author. As a matter of fact, you're better than Stephen King. I can't wait to buy my next one. And so uh, that's what I do. I I love to write. I don't market very well because I'm too busy writing. I know. I get that. I, uh, I'm too busy being about town to market my own self as well. So I yeah, totally so. understand that I'm helping everybody else. But so the name of it, Blood Mountain. Blood Mountain. Is that because of the area in Lovelock or what? How did it's you because come of the ensuing violence oh, that happens up inside. at South Lake Tahoe and a, uh, they can't stop it. <clears throat> and a special um, forces team comes in and it's called the Special Forces Intervention Team. And this all relates to Indian mythology and belief. And the members of the team that come in are largely Native Americans. And so uh, they're all Green Beret. They're all, one has a law degree, a Juris Doctor. The others, <coughs> excuse me, have like medical degrees. But they're, they're all people you wouldn't want to mess with. And uh, they're headed up by a, a character that I molded after um, Robert Shaw in Jaws, <clears throat> Feisty. And uh, of course, he's not Native American, but he runs a, a very stiff team. And they enlist a local deputy sheriff to help them out <clears throat> because they need the support of the locals. So um, they show up in three more books, uh, kind of a series of the team working together. They're all kind of scary. <clears throat> Pardon me. So okay. um, getting over COVID, I'm negative, <laughs> but the after effects are it's all right still here. There. Yeah. Plus it's a little nippy in here. So. Well, yeah. But um, so they uh, were very popular and uh, uh, readers would say, please send them back. And we did in, in two more novels. And so which were the next two where you kept the characters going and returning? The third one was called The Beasts, and I don't have that here, um, but it concerned Chicago, of all places. Okay. And some Native uh, American tribes there are being driven off their last land by greedy corporate developers, and something happens, and the greedy corporate developers are now being hunted by what we don't know. And it gets so bad that the governor calls the White House and our team comes in to find out what it is. Okay. And then the third one is called It Waits. And this takes um, place entirely on the great Navajo Nation. Ooh. And it involves a skinwalker. Skinwalker. Right. I think I need to be out more. What is a skinwalker? <laughs> I'm well, kind of sheltered. Uh, it, uh, it uh, involves a hateli, which is an Indian medicine woman, and she is sick of seeing how her tribe is being treated by money-grabbing Indians as well as developers who want to mine sacred oh. lands. So she plays around with something she shouldn't play around with to raise a skinwalker. And a skinwalker is uh, a demonic presence in Indian belief, and where they go, you do not want to follow, and you don't want to be in front of them. So, is it like a spirit? It's like a demon. A demon. Ooh. So it gets out of control, and our team is finally summoned to go in 
And uh, this time we have uh, Comanche, Apache, and uh, we have our old our old guys back. Uh, the original team leader dies in Blood Mountain. Okay. All right. But Blood Mountain has helicopters colliding, explosions, uh, hunting going on. It's uh, it's quite a book. So anyway. Wow. I can just listen to Bill talk forever. Oh, you're But, but you know, I've noticed in it that we're going to go to break. It feels like there's like a story or a lesson or something about kind of what's happening today. Like, you know, when you were saying like the developers or this kind of, there, there's, there's like a hidden, hidden gem in each story, I have a feeling. But we're going to take a break and we'll come back and we're continuing to talk to Bill Brown. Be right back. You're enjoying this episode on Angel Phoenix Productions Podcast Network. To explore our complete lineup of quality programs and media production services, head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash angel phoenix productions. You know that's what she said. Come on, let's have some fun with the Bow Town Deb. My town, your town, or any town, this is About Town Deb presents City Talk. Now back to the show. And welcome back. I am About Town Deb, Debbie McCarthy, with my special guest, author Bill Brown. So nice to be here. It's Thank so you exciting. Thank you for me in. Because I just, we, we, I should have brought like a cup of tea or some hot cocoa, <laughs> and we should have had a fireplace going, because <clears throat> I feel like I could just talk to you for hours and let you read to us, which <clears throat> in the fourth segment, come back, he's going to read a snippet for us. But I, I do have a question for you, because yes. you've been doing this, you said how, three years? Three years. But you really started when you were, how young, when you first wrote the, the manuscript or the script for Blood Mountain? How Late long? 20s. Late 20s. So it's been a part of you your whole life then, correct? Yeah, Writing. it really has. I put it away and didn't touch it again until three years ago. So with all of that said, mm -hmm. I was wondering, what is the most surprising thing you've discovered about yourself as you're writing these books? Because, you know, your imagination and your mm. mind is just going, 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 going. That's true. <laughs> all the time. So some people yeah. say your mind is weird, but really it's not. Um, all the stories mean something and they're all um, they're all allegories for what's happening in our country. See, today. I did. There's a yes, little there's yeah. a little tidbit of everything. And the characters all reflect that. Now, what was the most surprising thing I discovered? Um, I set out to write Blood Mountain. And as I told you before, the characters changed. Well, I knew the names, but I didn't know what was going to happen. And there was a decision to be made. Am I going to control the character or the, is the character Ooh. going to tell me what they want to do? Ooh. And I went with the second one. Um, I received a note from my editor the other day who said she was um, watching a movie called The Man Who Created Christmas about Charles Dickens. And there was a quote from Dickens in there that said, once you have the character's name correct, then it develops on its own. And that has been the theme to my writing. My characters wake me up at three o'clock in the morning saying, okay. let's get going. So here, here, <clears throat> here, I picked this quote out. Look at this. A writer never has a vacation. That's very true. For a writer, life consists of either writing or thinking about writing. 
Eugene Lonesco. Yeah. I think so when I when I found I was looking at quotes that would go with the show mm -hmm. and I thought that's got to be what Bill's doing now because he just your mind has got to be going because these characters are inside you they're, they're part of you and it's just so that's crazy like do you ever have a moment where you don't aren't thinking about it that's a fair and honest question because when you're the, sleeping <clears throat> you're probably the answer thinking about is, it is no um you uh you become beholden to the characters that you create and you want to finish their story because they are telling you where that story is going to go. Now, this may sound insane, but when I found out that Charles Dickens agreed, I go, okay, that's pretty good company. So um, the other thing is, is that these novels are all relatively short. They're between 200 to 300 pages. And the reason is, is because they're all dialogue driven. I had another reader who, who wrote to me and said, uh, what we really like about this is that your characters carry the story. You don't. The characters are deciding what's happening. So they picked up on it automatically. I know, but <clears> how, <throat> like, how do the characters get into your brain? And like when you're, when you're thinking about the story and you have a character and all of a sudden <clears throat> the character's going this way and then somebody else comes in. Is it just, does it just come to your mind mm -hmm, and you just mm -hmm. write it like you see in the movies where you're just typing away or writing away? And I mean, because your characters are very dynamic and they all have such cool stories and they all have something to accomplish. Right. But that means you have a lot of stories and you have a lot to accomplish because you yeah. are, you are, I mean, you're the writer, but the characters come to you. Funny story. It's crazy. Uh, the most recent one, which is, we'll talk about a little bit later, Deathwell. Um, we, uh, we also, my wife and I have a biotech company mm -hmm. and I have, uh, local guys who are in the company and we have business meetings and this is going to sound weird, but a lot of business is done on a golf course. We do ours on a pool table. That works. At a local <laughs> pub. Um, can we give a shout out to a local pub? Is absolutely. That it's, uh, and I love everybody up there. It's flowing tide up in the oh, north. Hello. That's like, mm. they've been there forever. Yeah. I go to flowing awesome. tide. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So there was a, um, a server there who caught my attention and the way she handled herself, what she did. And she had an array of tattoos that were covering the left side of her body. And I thought, she would make an interesting character. Mm -hmm. So I went up and I asked her, um, do you mind if I put you in a book? Of course she said, yes, I, yeah, she I mean, she yes. said, put me in the book. Yeah, and I asked for the, the spelling of her first name and it was Kira, K-I-R-A. And she becomes another great force for good in Deathwell. Wow. And so every week we were there, we'd discuss a little bit about I was writing this and she said, well, what's my character? And I said, well, you have dual degrees. Um, you have a psychology degree and you have a degree in parapsychology. You mean in real life? Hers. No, yeah. uh, no, in the book. I'm, I'm there. <laughs> in the book. The way you talk, it's like, you're so excited. Well, here's the freaky part. Does she really? I said, uh, what's your degree in? And she oh, goes, no. psychology. Wow. And I said, do you have any interest in parapsychology? And she said, yes, I do. Oh, my goodness. And I'd already written her into the book. Mm, I think you've got some special powers. <laughs> I'm getting a little nervous sitting here like, oh. No, it, no it's, uh, it's pretty cool. That's, no, that's pretty darn cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. oh. 
And the that. other thing is, is that people who read these, uh, one of my business partners was reading The Alien, which was my second book, also begins in Nevada. Mm. And um, this is about uh, 1957, according to Project Blue Book, which Ooh. is official. A UFO entered American airspace over a night in New York and was tracked all the way. They couldn't catch it. And so they sent jets up from Stead and Nellis. And when you mean our Stead in our Nevada Stead in and our Nellis. Irina. Okay. And it appeared to blow up over central Nevada. Now, the question is, what if it didn't? And what if the guy on board has been waiting and he's not very nice? And what if another alien comes down to track him, but that alien is not convinced yet that Earth is worth saving? He's he's down here to get him, but if we can save the Earth, well, you know, until he meets a guy who's a loner, down on his luck, was trying to commit suicide, couldn't even make the gun work. And uh, he, he starts showing him around and what it's like to be a human. And he decides, well, maybe there's something here. And the end of this book for most people is one that makes them cry, but tears for joy. Those so are the best tears. Yeah. Oh, I like that one. And then this other quote was, anyone who's going to be a writer knows enough Enough at 15 to write several novels. So you, were, you weren't quite 15, but, no. you, but you still were a young man when you wrote the, the, the manuscript or the first script. Yeah, the interesting story behind that is I had seen Jaws for the third time. I only saw it once. It was enough for me, <laughs> just so you know. And uh, I decided, well, if, if this movie can make people afraid to go in the water... <laughs> Why don't I write something that will make them afraid to go in the forest and make them afraid to camp? And that's how that got started. So, well, know. now I'm not going to want to go camping. <laughs> uh, come on now. I mean, I'm, I'm already don't like the bugs and the mosquitoes, but now I'm going to be worried about these creatures coming out of the well, woods. Well, we will call the special forces intervention and they team. And save me before I problem. go in. Right. Yes. So let's continue on. Mm-hmm. So, what makes you continue on? I mean, like what, I know there are the ideas, but if, if like you're, you're listening out there and, and you thought you've always wanted to write a book mm-hmm. or you want to write something and you get started and then you stop and then you get started, how do you get past that hump to get it done, number one, and to keep, keep it going and not stopping after the first one? Well, this goes back to the characters. Um, it's during the process of writing the book, you write yourself into a corner. And then you go back and you sit down and you go, what the heck am I going to do now? And in the back of your mind, one of your primary characters says, come on, boss, can we get going? Here's what we should do. Wow. And it really does work. Um, And what keeps me going is just the feeling of being creative and having people um, write back to me and tell me that they love the work and they can't wait for the next one. And that really makes you feel good. No, I, so I, I agree. So you keep going. I write three, two, somewhere between two and four hours a day, mostly wow. between three and four. And it's a, it's a wonderful life. Oh, that, I mean, I'm just like overwhelmed to think that mm. 
I mean, when I know when you first started, there was one book and now they're not even all here. Mm -hmm. And we're sitting here and like, wow, you have surpassed (laughs) probably what you even thought you Mm -hmm. were going to do. And I know you're not done because there's always characters that you find like it's flowing tight. And when we come back, so when we do come back, we're going to come in with you reading a little part of a book for us. And then we're going to talk about it. Okay. So stay tuned. It's About Town Dev and Bill Brown. Be right back. Now more than ever, family matters, and Surratt Law Practice has your family in mind. Kimberly Surratt and her team have been helping maintain healthy families through their holistic approach to adoption and surrogacy, child custody, estate planning, and more for over 13 years. Your family law concerns are in caring hands with Surratt Law. Schedule your private consultation with a compassionate Surratt Law Practice team member today by calling 775-636-8200 or visiting LawyersForFamilies.com. Surratt Law, where family matters. You're enjoying this episode on Angel Phoenix Productions Podcast Network. To explore our complete lineup of quality programs and media production services, head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Angel Phoenix Productions. Ready to help from her toes to her head. Just give her a shout. Call about town, Deb. My town, your town, or any town, this is About Town Deb Presents City Talk. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the fourth and final segment. Bill, you make this so easy. Well, you should I've, be sitting here more often so I've, I can just kick back and enjoy all your words you're sharing. I've been fascinated by the whole experience. I've never done a podcast. Oh, come on. <clears throat> well, maybe one or two. Yeah, but, maybe one uh, or two. It's called artistic license. He has a lot. He can, yes, he <clears throat> can say whatever he wants. I'm just happy he's here. <laughs> so I promised that when we came back, you were going to share a little bit. Um, so I would like you to enlighten us with some of the content from the back of the book to kind of share what lightning is about. Um, You always write the best that you can (laughs) for the back cover because you want people to be interested. And a lightning begins with a professor from the University of Nevada. And it goes like this. It's Professor Jackson Parker was hit by lightning twice in less than a minute. He should have been dead. Instead, he emerged with great powers of insight and the growing revelation that this was no accident. Now he can see things that no other human can, and the visions terrify him. He slowly begins to understand a great evil is trying to enter the world, and for some reason, he is the one who's supposed to stop it. His journey is one of the most extraordinary experiences in the history of man. And that is the way lightning begins, and it leads into Deathwell, where his character so returns. So let's share about that. <clears throat> You've already got me intrigued. <laughs> well, Deathwell is uh, the sequel, and it turned out to be much longer than I thought it was going to be, but <laughs> the characters wouldn't stop talking. So uh, <laughs> this, this is Deathwell, and it picks up where lightning leaves off, and... Um, He is looking outside of his home in Verdi one day, and his wife is there, and he sees all these dark shapes standing around the rim of the property. And he thought this was all over with, and then he understands, no, it's not. And then he receives a great visit 
from someone who's going to help him. And uh, do you know who that is? No, I want to know, though. It is Michael the Archangel. Oh. And Michael has been sent down with a specific message. Um, it's up to you now, and you will have some help. I can't tell you who yet, but you will have it. And if the Creator is thinking about just wiping the slate clean and starting over again, he said... He's giving the earth one more chance, mankind one more chance, and you are taking the lead. I'll be along with you. Ooh. But if at any time I leave and you can't find me, I will be back and the end will begin. Oh. So that's what that's this is. That's a big responsibility for yeah, it is. this gentleman to have. It certainly is. And both these books feature um, time in the White House. The presidents are cooperative. They're staying, uh, he and his wife are staying in the Lincoln bedroom. And guess who wakes him up? Abraham Lincoln. Oh. Because he's walking <laughs> to his desk that was there when, uh, before it was a bedroom. And they have a little conversation about what makes a hero and what your responsibilities are and what, what he went through in the Civil War. So what do you think makes a hero? What I think makes a hero is anybody who rises to the occasion and fights for good. And that's it. Um, all of my books are about good versus evil. Um, and I'm happy to say that so far, uh, good is winning. The new one called The Ship is um, about a ship that is in the Sargasso Sea. Are you familiar with that? Mm -mm, I told you I don't get out much. <laughs> Um, so in Bermuda, they're picking up these signals, uh, SOS distress signals from a ship, but it's coming in via Morse code instead of radio. And they're trying to figure out what it is. So they call the U S coast guard. The U S coast guard goes out there and finds the rusting hulk of a world war one British destroyer that is sending out these messages. Later on seals go on board. And they find these dark shapes that are going about their daily routines on this old ship. And they're trying to figure out what's going on. Well, the thing is, it's in what's called a gyre. And a gyre is where major currents all converge and they spin. Like a black hole kind of thing? Right, right. But ships go into these sometimes and don't come out. So if climate change... Oh. is reversing how everything works. Oh. And the gyres suddenly slow, and the winds that drive the currents slow. Guess what pops up? The past. Yeah. Whoa. So I'm 100 pages in on that. <laughs> I'm halfway through. <laughs> I feel like I'm at the movie theater. <laughs> I'm just, no, That's seriously. But I am just so in awe of that your mind has these stories, but I love the fact that you bring history mm. and you bring what's happening now and you always bring a part of your own community, which mm. is really cool. Oh, that's, that's, when you, you, you do that. It's very nice of you. The, the story behind uh, the ship is how it got started is really interesting. I had uh, finished death well and I walked into the bedroom one night and Teresa was there doing her research and things. And, and I said, you know, uh, 
The author who doesn't have a story to write is like a rudderless ship <laughs> on a dark sea. And she said, well, what's your next story? And I said, <laughs> we just got it. <laughs> and that's where the ship comes from. So have you ever written stories that are, um, are more about like families, um, how they got connected or adoption or that kind of stuff? No, I haven't done that yet. Uh, what I do though, for my readers is every Christmas, I write a Christmas story and if they want it, I send it out to them on PDF and they all uh, begin a little darkly and then they end in the wonder of Christmas, you know, and the one I'm sending out this year and let me know if you want one. Of course. Is called the old man in the park. Oh. And he looks lonely. He's forlorn. And a guy is about to walk into the surf to commit suicide because he thinks his wife has left him. He's wealthy, but he has nothing left because he loves her so much. And the old man says, it's not worth it, son. Not worth it. Come on over here. Sit down. Let's talk. And the guy's obviously homeless. Okay. Well, as the story progresses... He convinces him to not do that. And then he said, would you mind running me up to the shelter? I need some rest. So he does that. He drops him off. And as he's driving away, he looks in his mirror, rearview mirror, and the man's not there. He just vanished. Okay. And so other people around the shelter have seen him. And it turns out, well, you know what the old man in the park is. Mm -hmm. is he's a, an angel he's an angel yeah right yeah so and the story works its way through a series of what should be minor miracles and even the man and his wife find out that they just weren't thinking right about each other but it's christmas and they're back together <laughs> So. Can we cry now? <laughs> That's so touching. Oh mm -hmm. my goodness. Ah. So here's, an, here's another quote. Mm -hmm. These are all I picked out because of you. Oh. The first sentence can't be, written, can't be written until the final sentence is written. That one I disagree with. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Uh, because yours keep going. That's <laughs> I go through these and I really, I don't know how they're going to end until I get close to the end and the characters say, okay, dad, we're done. Wow. And that's, that's it. And then I know what's going to happen at the end. And uh, so writers work in different ways. Um, a lot of people, uh, they'll tell you in a writing class, you have to have an outline. You have to have this. Yeah, I remember those days. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. And if that works for you, that's great. But if you can uh, let your mind go, if you can create your characters, know their names, they will talk to you. And they will take you where you need to go. Your job as an author, in the way my writing style, is to listen. <clears throat> Which is a very big gift to listen. <laughs> no, it is. It's good for all of us to listen. But you're, you're listening to your characters, not just the person next door or next to you. Well, you, you listen to everybody because well, you're that kind of a, you're I that was kind lucky. Of a I mean, you know, as an anchorman and a reporter, I listened to people for 38 years. Yeah. It's lots of stories. And they always dictated the story. I never took the story anywhere. They took the story. And wow. that, I guess that's the groundwork for all of this. So I also would love you to share your website. 
how oh. we can get a hold of your books. And I know you have a Facebook presence, but share mm -hmm. the easiest, best way to get a hold of you. Um, Facebook. Okay. And it's Bill Brown, and you'll see me. Uh, if you haven't friended me before, you'll see me from being from Reno. Got a baseball <laughs> cap and a big video camera here because I also have a video production. Yes, company. he does. And so, um, but my website is uh, www.billbrownnovels.com. And when you go up there, there are synopses for all the books, and there are links to go to Amazon, where yes. they are. Okay, yep. Um, but if you want them signed, and that's one of the things I love it. to do, then you contact me through Facebook. I will sign a copy to you and whoever you want, and I will mail it out to you with an invoice, and you pay me at that time. Awesome. Well, I was going to talk about some events coming up, but you know what? I would rather you, if you can say one thing to a becoming writer out there, what would it be? Because mm. we're getting to the end. Because you're amazing. Thank you. You're very kind. Free your mind. Don't be constrained. Allow your mind. Your mind is a wonderful, wonderful gift, and we seek to control too much of it. Let it go. Let creativity surge through you. Everybody can be a writer. If I can do it, you can do it. But free your mind. I love that. Thank you. I'm going to try to free my mind. <laughs> I have a story in there. I just need somebody to write it. But I also want to give a shout out to Grandma B and Aunt Glenda and Pauline and all my family and friends who support me all the time. And I would love you to remember, together we are one heart. Together mm. we can make a difference. And it's about Town Devil City Talk and Bill Brown. Be back next week. This podcast was a production of Angel Phoenix Productions. Explore more episodes of this show or other great shows on the Angel Phoenix Podcast Network by visiting angelphoenix.com. The views expressed in this show do not necessarily represent those of Angel Phoenix Productions or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners.